Are you ready? Ready to bring a revolution to your relationships? Ready for the experiences on your dating adventure to evolve? Ready for more passion, intimacy, connection, and love in your relationship? Ready to heal past relationship wounds? You're in the right place. I'm Alan, the Love Engineer, and this is the Relationship Revolutions Podcast. In this series, you'll get guidance and tips from me, interviews from other relationship experts, insights from couples who already have a great relationship, and other mind-opening conversations. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of Relationship Revolutions, where I am joined by Steph Zito. Steph, would you like to say hello and first two questions, how are you and where are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I am in Southern California near San Diego. It's 7.30 in the morning here, so I've got my coffee and just am waking up with a wonderful conversation with you. Excellent. So you're a also a re- relationship coach like me, and from what I can understand, you specialize in conflict resolution. And yes. as well as that, you're also a psychic medium. Is that right? Funny when... <laughs> You know, you can be many things, right? Because to me, uh, everything is relationship, right? We are in relationship to everything. So, uh, and my background is in conflict resolution, which I I joke sometimes I could have just gone to therapy instead, but I got a whole degree, so you're welcome. But um, yes, I uh, really tuned in, began tuning into my intuitive gifts in 2014 um, and uh, through coaching and through practice and through unlocking this, unlocking that, it just started to blossom. So yes, I um, I help clients within that sort of otherworldly or psychic realm. So communicating with your soul, with your soul's uh, journey, with sometimes past loved ones and guides um, to help guide people really in their purpose. And sometimes when they have something that's like a trigger or like a repetitive pattern, it goes back somewhere. So we can look at that sometimes to past lives. <laughs> and in doing so, we can help to uh, heal it. Um, so along the way, I also picked up <laughs> a certification as a hypnotherapist. And so that is one of the tools that once we kind of dive in and see it, we can use that tool to help sort of reprogram some of these subconscious beliefs, these traumas, these triggers into that freedom of how we really want to be. Excellent. So when I first heard you say that you're a psychic medium, I thought, does that mean she's going to be able to read my thoughts and know what questions I'm going to ask before I ask them? You know, it's it's sometimes, but so sometimes, I mean, but also no, I'm not like, I don't just turn it on, but like last night I run a membership and I asked one of the ladies to pull some cards for us and I I saw, I was like, oh, it'd be so great if she had a card deck that showed kind of like what looks like water crystals, right? Like crystalline shapes. And sure enough, the next deck she pulled up was a deck that showed (laughs) crystalline shapes. Or, um, you know, people will come to me for like a free session when they're, they're not sure what to do next. And they won't tell me anything like yesterday. um, This lady came to me, it's all on Zoom. She's in Australia and she wants to do, she wants information to help her guide her with her job. I don't know what her job is. And I saw her working with autistic kids 
but not in the traditional way. I really felt like her superpower was in really hearing them. And guess what her job currently is? It's, it's working as a teacher's aide for neurodivergent autistic children. So there's a pathway there. Like, I feel like there's, uh, I'm not constantly, it'd be exhausting like, running around, <laughs> you know, just, don't worry. I'm not, not going to read your deepest secrets unless you want me to. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, to me, there's like an ethics to this too, right? Like we're in relationship, we're in desire. Like if someone doesn't want something read, like I'm not, I feel like it's ethically responsible to honor that. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, shall we say, tap into somebody's conscious in, in that way, whether it's through hypnotherapy or intuition. And from what I can tell through my own healing journey, the unconscious mind will only open the doors to what is ready to be healed and what is ready to be shared. Yes. And I, I, my sense is that people who come to me, they are ready. And uh, I feel like I'm here to offer a very safe space where I've heard just about everything and I've experienced a lot in my own life. And so it's a really non-judgmental space where I feel like for a lot of people, the reason behind it is like, we're afraid of what we're going to feel underneath or the truth underneath it. And um, I help us uncover that truth in a loving way so we can do something with it. Otherwise it keeps repeating itself. Like another client was um, top of mind was looking to, to maybe move and, you know, didn't, doesn't want to move, but I had her do some her own muscle testing and sure enough, that's what came through. Like that was for the best and highest good. And she started to cry because that's not, she thinks it's for the best and highest good. And there's something that she doesn't want to leave behind her job. Um, and she's probably underselling what's possible for her in that move. Do you know what I mean? So we kind yeah. of get to the truth of it versus you could do all sorts of like pros and cons of moving <laughs> or you can just dive in. I feel like we cut to the chase with a lot of things. Um, and I, to me, this is one of those things like in working with couples that I feel like is so important is that a lot of times what's happening on the surface in conflicts, like it's not about the, it's not about the dish towels or loading the dishwasher, or you relate to pick the kids up, or you're always this, or you just bone, you know, it's what are we feeling underneath and what, what potentially unserved place within ourselves is kind of coming to a reckoning through that experience. You know, what is it that I'm seeking in this person where I'm feeling suffering or I'm feeling a loss because I don't feel like I'm receiving it, which could actually be my young self, not feeling like I was seen by my father when I was a young child and looking to heal this of this stuff right? Instead of it being this bickering, which tears people apart, they never get to the, if we allow ourselves to surrender, oh my gosh, like I, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm sort of a, an echo locator for the exact thing or person that's here to show me the pathway to my healing. Whether that person is in agreement with that or not is another story, right? But I will be shown it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I think when we go and see any kind of healer or when we start to take the next step on our own journey, our egos, our minds have a picture of what we think it's going to be. And when something else comes up, 
we automatically go inside. No, that can't be right because th- this is it. This is it. And then you end up have, having that internal conflict and it's like trying to drive a car with a foot on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. That's what I really love about hypnosis because, um, for example, we might have this idea um, like consciously, let's say someone's looking to um, get into a relationship, right? They, they're not with someone, they want a loving partner. And so consciously they they say, oh, well, I, I see other people with loving partners and it it looks so loving. I see them, you know, uh, eating together and it looks so great. And I, I could, I could have that. And the subconscious might have some program running that says, well, I'm really not deserving or, um, it, I don't feel worthy, you know, because of something that may have happened in the past. And so what they're going to, what they could find is they start to, it's like this very insidious thing. Like they may start to get into partnership and then they start to receive that message back about unworthiness. Right. And it's because that's what's showing up to be healed. So what we do through hypnosis is we sort of match up the desired belief with the subconscious state. So what's running the program is the subconscious state of I am worthy. I I got this. I love who I am. (laughs) I'm I'm so grateful to match up with someone who we just sync together so well, you know? Um, So I think there's, there's part of that. Sometimes the thing that, we think we, we we want, we're actually getting what we need. Yeah. What are the most common complaints that you get from couples when they first come to see you? Really, I feel like it's it just seems like a lack of understanding, like coming into um, conflict with one another where one person really just isn't understanding the other person or um, there's just a conflict around like, like a, a belief system, like around money, <laughs> money can be a yeah. big one. Um, yeah. How about you? Um, well, funnily enough, you mentioned the dishwasher earlier and a few <laughs> networking meetings I, I've been to recently, you get often get asked, well, how, how can we spot potential clients? And I said, well, firstly, there's the argument over how to stack the dishwasher, where to position the toilet seat, and then the oh two old favourites, what? Why does she keep nagging me, or why won't he bloody listen? Yes, right. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which to me, I would translate into like understanding, right? Yeah. Well, there is a right way to do the toilet seat, so <laughs> let's just clear that misconception up. Yeah, put both both the seat <laughs> and the lid down so that whoever uses it has got to pick something up, put it back down again. Exactly. <laughs> very democratic, very democratic. No, I'm kind of kidding, but also like <laughs> for real. Um, yeah, I, I feel, you know, in all of these, it's interesting. It's um, it's interesting because sometimes I, I like to ask clients, it's like, well, you feel like this other person's trying to control you in some way, right? You're disappointing them because you're doing the toilet seat. I don't want to get myself in trouble here because I will stand on that <laughs> ground, but, but we should take the dishwasher, right? The way you stack it. Like, it's so funny how um, we can get so entrenched in like these silly things. It's like a little like piece of control that feels satisfying to us, right? And yet we're actually just trying to control the other person. So when we kind of flip it like that, right? It's like, well, um, I mean, I'm trying to control you just as much as you're trying to control my behavior, right? Yeah. 
So it's sort of helpful sometimes. Um, I think sometimes what happens is people, they're only looking at the other person and what's going wrong on their end, right? And I, I think what I like to do, and I, I think what can happen sometimes in um, with couples is that there's a concern on one end or the other that there's going to be like bias, right? Like the coach or person's going to have bias for towards one or towards the other. And I think what I try to as a conflict resolution is <laughs> as a mediator is to try to see like where where are we like apart? Where can we come together? Or what are we really looking for? Right? Um, yeah. Sometimes it's not so much like I'm trying to change you, change who you are. I'm simply looking for different tools that maybe we didn't learn as kids to communicate. We're just looking to expand our range of communication. If we're just coloring with red and blue, let's color with, let's try some orange, let's try some green. So if we think of it that way, it's not like, well, this is just how I am, right? Get kind of get a defensive. Yeah. It's like, well, could we could we employ a different tool that's for both of you? It's not your tool or the other person's tool. It's like, let's use this tool that exists together and see what happens with that. Yeah. So when we're children, we're taught to we talk to read and write. We're taught to t- talk to how to speak and what words are and what most of them mean and but what they don't teach is how to actually communicate effectively and how Bingo. to listen effectively. <laughs> Bingo. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it so interesting, right? Like of all the tools, it could just be so that and money management, you know, uh, yeah. and I, I do appreciate, I, I, mean, I, have, I have two kids they are nine and 12 and my son will come home and he'll, they have uh they have a different way now. They have like, like once a week, they have a class that's kind of along these lines. Yeah. They really are trying to help a bit more with the socio-emotional development. Um, they have, uh, I'm going to think of, I'm not going to think of the right word right now, but they'll, but there's a conflict. They'll have like a, a circle. They'll do something where they'll help, help them communicate, which I appreciate so much. They talk about empathy. So the fact they're learning these things now is like just... A huge step ahead, I think, for the adults to come and the relationships to come. Because, you know, when we're a kid and we don't learn this stuff and our our parents probably didn't learn it, we're stuck in sort of, I would imagine these more, um, if we're looking at like the heterotypical normal gender roles, I suppose, right? You know, if we're looking at that, which I, again, I'm only just a given example, right? You might yeah. find in relationship that one person, potentially if it's heterosexual, like the male is um, just going to be a little bit more matter of fact, like a bit more compartmentalized. And I know there's, you know, books written about this, like men are from Mars and men are from Venus. Deborah Tannen, she's a great linguist. She looks like a lot into this, right? And women, we tend to just like see everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> Yeah. And we're sort of in that mode of paying attention to the emotional weight of the room, right? Like what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Because I remember as a young girl, like that was everything, right? How's she feeling? How are my friends doing? What's going on? So I think when we recognize that so sometimes we literally are just sort of uh, programmed to communicate a little bit differently, then we can bring some recognition to um, when we're looking to get our needs met, you know, once again, understanding that like, we're going to, we're going to communicate in different, we're going to maybe more naturally communicate in different ways. Like I saw this great, 
uh, I don't know, some reel or something. It was hilarious. It was basically like, like a translator for men and women. And so yeah, the woman, you know, was calling the husband and this whole story about um, trying to go get some tea. And then she couldn't get it at this one store. And then she ran into this woman and the woman complimented her skirt. And then they became really good friends and exchanged numbers. The guy's like, you know, trans the translation is like, you got some tea. I got tea. <laughs> yeah. And then, then the translation back to the woman is like, oh, wow, you got chamomile tea. That makes me think of flowers and how we could go out to a park and have a picnic. And I could tell you how much I love you and, and stroke your hair and enjoy the beauty. And she's like, I feel so loved. You know, the translation back, you know, is uh, what she wants to hear. It's like, if we yeah. could just have that, we would probably solve a lot of the world's problems. Yeah, there's uh, apps for most things these days, but um, I haven't come across that one yet. Yes, we, uh, we need a Google Translate for men and women. Yeah, yeah I think one of the best um, descriptions I've heard in a while is um, men are like waffles, because you have e each part is square. It's They're all the same size, and when you put the maple syrup in, it doesn't spill over, and women are more like spaghetti. <laughs> everything's tied together and everything's in a knot. Yeah, it's 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 really true, right? So, um, so that said, you know, I, I think there's, I mean, to me, there's like a couple of things here. One is, um, you know, when we're looking at conflict, right? Like, well, what need, what's my frustration? Like, what's on the surface? If there's a pattern, especially like, oh, I go down this path again, or it's the same conflict again, right? Um, one is like avoiding words that are blaming, right. Or avoiding, uh, statements like you always, you know, we get frustrated. It's like, ah, you never, you never listen. You always do this I'm kind of globalizing it to make it all about how that person is all the time. Cause what's underneath that. It's like, well, let's look at whatever's happening on the surface. What's underneath it. Right. Cause that dishwasher, it might it might mess with you on certain days, but it might not mess with you on other days. So if it's messing with you on a certain day, well, wait a minute, why am I frustrated by this right now? You know why? Maybe as a woman, well, it's because um, I, I really had this big thing to tell him uh, this morning and he was busy and he didn't listen, right? So what, what I'm really carrying underneath the dishwasher is like, I just didn't really feel heard or seen or well, what's underneath that, what desire is there, desire to connect. So in that argument that separates is actually the desire to connect. It's just like an example of what, what could be happening underneath the surface, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So did your healing journey and conflict resolution career, did that start before you got married or did you get married first? Well, there's some interesting like components to this. I mean, my um, I got my conflict resolution master's like many years ago. Um, right after uh, I went into the Peace Corps, and so I did college Peace Corps in Uganda, and then um, masters. And I, um, I, I really, I really loved that degree, and uh, and that took me on a whole other journey, right? And then few relationships, and then um, some things really synced up. So you know, in terms of being like an intuitive, in terms of um, living in a world where we're looking to manifest our best lives, manifest what we really want. Um, some things occurred for me where I really synced up. I kind of learned some lessons, I guess, some soul lessons about relationship. 
um, from especially the last relationship I had chosen to be in before I got married. And um, I really started to learn about listening to my intuition. Um, and then I got kind of very clear on like what I call like my conditions of satisfaction. What are my conditions of satisfaction? Like, what do I really want? And uh, I moved to California and then it was sort of like dominoes, like getting my dream job, um, starting my yoga teacher training and then finding my now husband. And so what's interesting to me is that once I got married, I was like, sweet, all my problems are solved. <laughs> I'm married, I'm married, you know? So what was so interesting was um, about two years into being married, um, I started to have these like worries, like, like is he going to leave me? Is he, does he still love me? And I was like, wait a second, I'm married. Well, this was kind of my pattern, right? Like abandonment wound. Yeah. And so I was like, wait a second, <laughs> is this even about him? Because it was at that moment, I just felt like, wow, like there's just never enough that he's going to be able to do. There's not enough love and affection or telling me he loves me that actually is going to fill this hole. And I started to realize for myself, I was like, this is not his, this is mine. And so in recognizing that, I feel like um, some of my own healing was able to come through, kind of cracking open, like, well, where is this coming from, right? Which I'm going to the whole backstory of upbringing and all of that. Um, but I actually realized what it meant to come into a place of self-love and not seeking that from the other person. Because when we come into relationship and we've got this whole, whatever that might be, you know, the way you were parented or past relationships or potentially even past life stuff, or even before you were born or stuff that's ancestral, the way people get into relationship, it's kind of like this bottomless pit. But if you're trying to get it solved by that other person, you're like, sweetie, I got a little, it's like a little hit, little hit, but it's, n it's never going to go. I mean, I'm not trying to be you know, um, dramatic about it or I mean, like negative, but I just think it's important to recognize like that's not for that person to solve. That's not fair yeah. to put that on that other person. It's not for them to solve. So when we recognize that we're like, oh my gosh, when, when I get to solve it for myself and I get to find that self-love for me, right? Cause I'm seeking it outside myself. What am I doing for me? Am I, am I showing myself that I'm worthy? Am I showing myself that I love myself unconditionally? No, I'm only looking for that outside. I've never validated it for myself. So that was like a really, really big learning journey in my own marriage. And, um, and you know, I also really believe that when we come together, we're here to kind of walk our souls forward in that healing. And so, you know, we come in with our own programming, like we don't come in these perfect people, like we, we aren't. And so I think what's so important is to actually see when we get into our own patterns or when we the curve off the dishwasher and or like we start to see a certain pattern. One of my favorite things is like, like my husband will ask like, wait a minute, what, what would we do right now if we weren't mad at each other? And so we, we start to just laugh because he's a very funny person and it just changes the tone of whatever's going on. Yeah. Right. Um, Again, I think us coming into a place of recognizing, you know, we come in with different, even things that really feel good about communicating. Like, I love communicating. I could like communicate all day. And, you know, he's kind of like, let's just, can we get to the point? <laughs> so, and one's not better, one's not worse. It's just like, you know, when we come together and we different. honor, yeah, like at the end of the day, both, both of us want to be seen, we want to be heard, right? And so when we can use those tools to really see and hear one another, 
then we can. And, and the other thing I really love when you come into a place where you're just not seeing eye to eye is like, what outcome do I desire here? Like what, what's the outcome that we really want? What are we really talking about? Can we stay on track with like what outcome we're desiring here? Um, and also just honoring, I think, like the when and where of having certain types of conversations. Like I'm not just going to blast him with something as soon, as soon as he walks in the door. You know, I think I'm going to be like mindful about if I have something like bigger to talk about, um, like being on the same page, like in agreement, like, hey, that's something I really have on my mind. Is now a good time to chat about this, you know? And if it is great, if it's yeah. not, then well, what time is? Could we, could we kind of get this? Could we do this today? I'd really love to like just a couple minutes today. Um, so we, we have that. We know we're not just kind of letting it linger, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think with me being on my journey, my partner being on hers and we're doing it side by side, it's in some ways, it's a little bit like a three-legged race. You're on your path, but you've both got one leg tied together. Mm-hmm. And the downside is, if one of you falls over, you both fall over. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to you know, some of your listeners might relate to this to get a little bit more personal. Um, and my husband would talk about this too, so I will. My husband has depression, and we just, you know, beautifully and joyously moved into. Um, we, you know, purchased a, a new home in April. And that was a lot of stress and that triggered a lot for him. And he wound up um, checking himself into the hospital. And so you talk about a three-legged race, you know, you got a man down and um, that was a lot. And I, I feel like, you know, for me um, there's, you know, a sense of respecting his process and what he needs and also recognizing like, I am not in control of that. And I think, um, Again, coming from a place, you know, some of us understand what codependency means, right? Um, yeah. Or have maybe worked through that or healed that or some part of that journey. You know, for me, recognizing that um, it's not my job. Like, what role do I play in that, right? Like, I feel like I can be that person who's like willing and patient and 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 there. I'm like, I'm there. I'm here. And um, it gets to be his. There's like a sovereignty in that, you know? Like this gets to be his, it's yeah. not mine to solve. And that can be a, honestly a really hard one when you're in a partnership, because sometimes we can see something for someone else that is hard for them to see for themselves and vice versa. Right. Absolutely. It's like having kids. You're like, I can see you can ride that bike. <laughs> I know you don't believe it yet, but it's sort of just like standing, um, like lighting the candle, you know, and just like giving them the honored space and time. Um, and also taking care of your own self in the process. I know for me, that was like yeah. a big one, like reaching out to support as I needed it and um, not being ashamed or afraid to be real and honest, like with my friends. And that meant everything at that time. And um, I'm really proud of him for his part in that too, in that part of the journey. And also recognizing, you know, in a, in a sense that I think I appreciate and versus feeling scared about it. Like there's no guarantees. Like, I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know, you know, we're fortunately in good health and, um, of good mind. <laughs> and we're just, I think you, we just, you, you live kind of in the moment and towards what you desire without being attached to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, in some ways, a lot of the media, the, um, romantic movies have kind of conditioned us to a point where that special one is the answer to everything 
mm-hmm. and we put so much pressure on them, it's unreal. Yes. And we're also now in that place where we're looking for external solutions to an internal problem. You're nailing it. I'm wondering it. Yeah. why it doesn't work. <laughs> you just summarized everything. I just, yes, just nailed it. Yes, this is, you know, talk about kind of like being in the matrix sometimes, being in these systems and for some reason being fed um, we laugh sometimes because no one ever told us what it was really like to bring a baby home. We're like, wait a second. No, no one will yeah, ever tell you. I had two at the same time. <laughs> no, you got no one will ever tell you. And they're like, wait a minute. No, why did no one? So anyway, I guess I say that because it's the same thing. Like I felt the same way. I was like, got my dress and the wedding and all this stuff. And um, I, I it would just be so wonderful if instead of looking at it like oh now i'm gonna feel loved right oh now i'm gonna have this happy ever after that in a sense we were kind of told like look you guys are kind of you know we do the marriage contract but in a sense you're sort of developing and again i'm not saying relationships have their trajectory right and so you know whether we're talking about like till death do us part or whatever that looks like there is a sense of like I am in the soul contract with you and I'm choosing to walk with you. And some of that's going to be seeing like the visibility of those raw parts and those parts that are desiring healing. The parts that desire healing are going to look messy sometimes and they're going to look angry and they're not going to do their best job. So, and, and we don't know what we're doing. So so the, the best thing we can do is like, I think bring curiosity look at like, well, what's underneath the surface of this? Cause nine times out of 10, there is something right. And understand that like, we get to walk ourselves forward into, um, greater healing, right. Greater wholeness as souls, as sovereign souls, because we get to be in this intimate partnership that nobody else is going to see the way we see. Nobody else is going to see us like we we get yeah. to see each other, right? And that's actually that part to me is the really special part. Not all the Instagram moments at Disney and whatever. It's like that part is like the super special part where like I get to hold, I get to hold this with you. Not that I'm taking it on, but I get to kind of walk this with you. Like that's amazing. How amazing to sign up for that with somebody. Yeah, there's a lot of people that think think that would be crazy. But at the same well. time, it's in some ways it's like having kids. The the mo it's the most beautiful experience you can have in ways that you can't even put into words. But it's also one of the most stressful things in the freaking world. Absolutely. It will push you to edges you didn't know you had, right? Like at all the different stages, the sleep and then tantrums. <laughs> Like you think you got control and you're like, I don't have control. <laughs> yeah. Very true. And, and also you look like at the, other, yeah, go ahead. Then you look at other other fa- families while they're out and about and I think they've got it sorted. Oh what's wrong that's with what it me? Looks like. That's what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see what's going on behind their walls either. No. They're probably thinking the same thing about me. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause that comparison, this is the thing, that comparison is the what do they say? Like this, the thief of joy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or how it's supposed to look. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, I think many people, couples spend more time planning the wedding day 
than the honeymoon than all the years after it. You know, and that's the thing is that I think that's at that time, in a sense, exactly where you're supposed to be, because unless you had like a whole guidebook of questions to ask, which you get pretty deep, you don't even know what you're going to be like. Let's say you get married when you're, I don't know, 25. I got married later than that, but you're 40. You don't know what you're going to be like exactly in 15 years. (laughs) I would hope you get to develop and you're not going to be exactly the same person you were. Like, you don't know exactly... Like, you're not going to sit down before the honeymoon and be like, okay, what are your childhood traumas? (laughs) Let's figure out what's (laughs) going to go wrong. (laughs) Like, you just literally don't even know what they are yet, necessarily, you know? So Yeah, it's more a case of uh, how are we going to handle it when they do come up? Because they will. <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly it. I do feel like there it would be nice. And, you know, there are some programs out there. I mean, that might be something that you you offer included where it is for people. I, I know I grew up Catholic, and so they have a thing through the Catholic Church. And there's other programs that kind of help you look if, look at where you're on the same page. Like, what have you thought through? Have you thought through how many kids you think you, think you want to have? Have you thought through... Where you want to live? Have you thought through, you know, when you get into conflict about the dishwasher, how you want to, how you want to handle that? And then, hey, by the way, here's some tools that you might enjoy when that might occur. I, I just yeah. sometimes those things, it's like I, I think they become relevant when you're in it, um, and when you're in that sort of, you know, elation joy mode, it might be like nice to know. I just, it's like. Um, I I learned CPR, right? Like, it's nice to know. (laughs) I'm glad I have that tool when I need it, right? I may never get there, but I'm super glad I went through that training. Like, what if we all took interpersonal relationships to to the same degree, like conflict to the same degree, right? Like, I'm going to get 12 hours of training in how to handle what might come up with my my future spouse, because like, that really matters to me. Yeah. Yeah, because... So far, I have never met anyone that says, oh, I'm getting married on Saturday and I can't wait till we get divorced. Nobody gets married to get divorced. Absolutely. The fact the divorce rates both in the States and here are nearly 50% now. Mm -hmm. And you just think, well, we're not doing something right. Either it's before the wedding day or after the wedding day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, if just like my son is getting some of that better training in school around communication, um, I would be lovely to embrace or see even more of this culture of let's get some premarital just communication uh, skills workshop, right? Or after we get married, I think even just having something on dial, like you know, once a, once a month you have a check-in or you, or you have a coach or you have someone that you're, yeah. even when things are good, you have someone who you're kind of checking in with so that you're kind of look just like we go and work out or uh, whatever that might be. Like we're taking care of our bodies. We're taking care yeah. of our relationships. We can't just envision just because we have a relationship, just like a body, like we don't move it. Things are going to happen. Um, yeah. I think it's very similar. It's, kind of conditioning or enculturating ourselves. Like this is actually really normal to get help in advance of the times that I might even need it. And then it's there when, when, oh my gosh, I, I recognize my childhood trigger or, um, you know, I start to see this pattern of resentment building with you because, um, you're not behaving the way I envisioned. Right. Yeah. You haven't got my movie script. (laughs) 
Yeah, right. <laughs> Didn't they give you the movie script of how this is supposed to play out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, some of yes. those things that we see happen, right, like infidelity, I mean, many times, like, that whole process started way before the actual action, you know, yeah. occurred. And And again, if we come back to that place of, like, this to me is, like, the main thing that could be taught is just when we are feeling something to recognize what that feeling is, you know, what you could even practice it in the car. What am I feeling right now? And just notice, Oh my gosh, like my jaw is really tense and I feel really angry about that guy in front of me, but you know what I'm, that's really about. It's about how um, my boss kind of like laid into me at work, right? Like there's so many things that lead to a moment that we might take something out on the spouse, you know, that started way beforehand. It's just checking in. Um, you know, I I, uh, I have meditations on an app. I have a meditation called a body scan. It's incredibly useful to just check in first. What am I feeling in my body? Because when we get into those the spark moments with a spouse or uh, our loved one, whatever, that we we react and then we yell or we snap or something. That all started beforehand, and it could be so quick we don't even realize it's happening. So. Um, just noticing like, it's like the old, uh, from so long ago, the, the movie, the matrix, if you remember that movie and yeah. the bullets are coming at, um, Keanu Reeves and, uh, he's just kind of like slowing down. It's like, you can just see them coming and so he can stop them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So similarly, it's like, wait a second, what is that feeling? And so you start to recognize like that feeling of discomfort or that feeling of like, like I'm not, I don't feel, I don't feel heard right now, or I'm, I'm annoyed right now. Yeah. So you just start with, you might even start with, I, you know, sometimes it's um, in relationships. Sometimes someone is, is they don't feel comfortable expressing how they're feeling with the other person. Cause if the other person tends to be defensive, if the other person tends to just want to shut things down, they don't want to talk about it. It can be really hard to get in that pattern of, of feeling afraid to even bring stuff up. So um, just noticing, like, I, I feel, I feel nervous in my body. I feel, I feel different. I feel weird. You don't know exactly what it is. I feel off in my body. Cause that's the first chemistry of that fight or flight response beginning. And then yeah. it's like, let me take a breath. What am I feeling? And then just vocalizing that, right. Even in, in, you start to get into a, a conflict, you start to get into a confrontation, you start to go there. I'm feeling a little off. I'm feeling a little tense in my body. <clears throat> I'm feeling, you know, what am I actually feeling? There's a whole process that goes along with that. It's nice if the other person can just recognize that, take a moment to just hear that. Like, yeah, I, I hear you saying that. I, I can I can see it. I can see it in your shoulders. I can see that you're feeling really tense right now. It's a nice opening. It's a nice opening versus feeling defensive. Like, oh, here she comes at me again. It's like, what if we saw those moments as opportunities to get closer, you know, yeah. rather than feel like we're like this. Well, let's turn towards one another. There's like this great um, uh, sculpture from Burning Man. I think it's from there. It's like this metal sculpture and it's like these two, um, the outlines of two two adults that are turned away from one another. And it's like yeah. inside of them are these two little children who are like looking towards one another, right? To connect. And that really is, I think, what's happening a lot of times in conflict. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned infidelity. I saw a reel a while back and it said something along the lines of, Everyone says that infidelity is the cause of a relationship breakdown, whereas really it's a result of a relationship that's already been breaking down. What's your perspective oh, yeah. on that? Oh, I, I think that um, that could be like the tipping point, right? 
like I don't feel like that like the infidelity itself <clears throat> isn't necessarily gonna I mean that could be the tipping point but that that action like look at like what was occurring in someone's mind before they took that action right yeah um you know where were they not feeling and this is not to blame anybody right because we all take responsibility for our own actions um <clears throat> it's like i mean i could say the same thing about um you know i'm feeling um where am i not getting feeling like my needs are getting met within my marriage where am i not feeling happy about myself within myself right where am i not happy feeling good about myself within my life where am i not being it's taking honest inventory right where am I not maybe resolving something even from my past? It starts there. And so it, it's looking for a solution. It's looking to get yeah. that feeling of, oh, I feel desired. I feel on top of the world. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm um getting those things or the illusion of getting those things met that perhaps I'm not getting met for myself or I'm not communicating well enough with the person I chose to be married to. Um I don't think it's very different even than, um, you know, uh, going down the path of like alcohol or drugs. It's like, I'm, I'm yeah. just, I'm literally not observing and caring for the actual thing. I'm not yeah. the actual problem. So if we, you know, t if we back it up and we, you know, example, like people are married, they've got kids, suddenly they're just, they're not being intimate in the bedroom they're um they feel more separated from one another one another maybe the husband feels like the wife is paying more attention to the kids than to him you know what's the first step right there it's to communicate not in like yeah. blaming like you're not paying attention to me right um or you're this or you're that it's like i feel <laughs> like i i'm i'm really feeling like we're drifting apart here i'm feeling like we're really stressed out and we're not taking time for one another um right? I'm, you know, it's like, I'm feeling this, this, I'm seeing this, like I'm, I'm given the red flag here. So, you know, if we're being in integrity with ourselves, like that, that, uh, that affair is just the, the, the tipping, the beginning point was being out of integrity with oneself. Who knows how far back? Yeah. Yeah. It's looking for that external solution again, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think, um, we can be afraid of these more honest conversations because um, when we are afraid of the outcome, right? We're afraid, oh, that person won't like me or that person's going to leave me. Like those, those are very like unstable foundation blocks to begin with, right? Yeah. And so if you're in that kind of space and it's already feeling unstable, then it's really worth, you know, getting some help to figure out like, can we stabilize these foundation blocks to begin with? Yeah. And what can I stabilize within myself? Like if I'm, if I'm coming from a place that's codependent and, um, and I'm looking for that external validation, then I'm not feeling it. And then I'm just pushing more for what I'm already not getting. Like, well, what's the foundation block within myself that I could work on that that's just, I'm going to show up different in the relationship anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of guys are fearful of having that conversation because they've heard so many friends and seen on social media and whatever, where guys have lost access to the kids, they've lost the house, they've lost so much of their income and all these other things. And they're scared of that outcome for themselves. 
And so what you're saying is that if they communicate about being unhappy in their relationship, that they'll like the, the divorce will create the outcome of. So the solution is have an affair because then I can get my needs met and I don't have to lose all my other stuff. I, I didn't say that was the solution. No. <laughs> I'm not you said that. What we're saying is this is how to take care of that problem. Yeah. No, I mean, but but I think what what I'm trying what I'm trying to hear you say is that is that's what some people might lean towards. Yeah. So that they can avoid losing all this stuff that they really don't want to lose. Yeah, because at the end of the day, fear messes with, with our minds considerably, and we don't always take the most sensible approaches to uh, anything when we're in a f- mode of fight or flight. Absolutely. And also, you know, looking back at like the history of, um, I, you know, if I, if I were to look at it from a male perspective, I might not, I might think that it's more feminine or a vulnerability to share the truth that's in my heart, right? I might feel like I'm now, like I've got the armor off and I'm open to attack, so to speak. So yeah. um, so I think it's sort of shifting that culturally to understanding, and again, this takes it takes two, it takes both people yeah. <laughs> to want this, is to is to understand like are we in agreement that we want this to be even better? Can we, can we, can we do that? Right. Is that something that we can both hop on that train with together? Right. And in that sense, then you're just making a decision. You're making a decision. Is this something, if this relationship, what takes the highest priority? Is it taking the highest priority that I'm with my kids? I don't lose my house. Right. Is it taking the highest priority that um, I believe that, I can create a better relationship with my spouse and I can have that, right? Does it have to end? It's, I'm not saying it's only ending that way because, right? But it's like, if we kind of predestine it that, well, I guess I just have to suck it up and be super unhappy just so I can keep the house and be with the kids. I mean, what, are, what work are we not doing, right? Yeah. And this to me takes the biggest courage is to be open and honest and vulnerable. Like, so we yeah, can, like, that's the pathway forward. The pathway forward to crack that open, to be in closer relationship is to be open and vulnerable and to, to see ourselves able to do that in a safe way, but that can be safe. Yeah. It doesn't have to, um, it's not going to come back to bite you in the butt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cause we, we both have these, masculine and feminine energies within us mm-hmm. there's so much conditioning that says men have got men are masculine and they've got to be this they've got to be that got to be the other they not to show vulnerability because it's weakness and all this nonsense and women mm-hmm. have got to be feminine but because we're both you're never going to mm-hmm. be one or the other or if you are it's a very unhealthy place because you're resisting half of your energy Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you're resisting your partner's energy. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, it's like, well, men, yeah, they can be more masculine, about mm-hmm. 70%, but they need that 30% femininity or feminine energy to actually mm-hmm. connect with their wife or their partner and their children. Absolutely. Yeah. It's leaning It's leaning into that place, right? Instead of rejecting it or being fearful of it or thinking like, oh, this is going to emasculate me. It's actually leaning into a beautiful place that like as a man, like your your woman can 
surrender into, can kind of melt into, to be held by a man who's like, I see you and I hear you, is probably like the biggest gift, bigger than any diamond that you can give to a woman, really. Like that's like such a huge gift to be like, I I hear you. Like I I want I want to know what's in your heart, right? But the yeah. the even like the littlest amount of time it takes to do that. If you want a quick tip, <laughs> literally just like every day. I mean, and I I think what happens sometimes is like what we're talking about is ego. Like our ego gets in the way. Yeah, our ego, you know, of like how we're supposed to be seen or how we're supposed to look, like to our spouse or to our neighbors. Um, and I think what I've seen, I've seen this come up actually, this has been this theme recently with um, this sort of shifting of identity with um, partnership where the woman is actually very much like making their own money, very much financially independent. And yeah. um, the man like might be, but there also might be some stuff that's going on that's shaky with the man with their money, right? And I think what I'm seeing for women is coming into, there's like the sort of shift from like the traditional ways things were and what feels safe to have now um, for them of shifting into a place of um, like, this is, this is okay. Or is this okay? Right? Like, is it okay for me to carry us? Do I feel safe in us carrying us? And for the man to also feel comfortable ego wise and identity wise that that that's safe as well, right? That it doesn't. Yeah, that does to, take take some getting used to. Yeah, and you know, I I can't speak for. I mean, I mean, I don't. I can't identify with what that feels like. I can envision it. I can empathize with it. I can understand that um, there's a lot carried with being someone who is the breadwinner. It's very traditional. It's very much like, again, like sort of that warrior energy for the family, yeah. right? Like. Like I've got us, like that's stable ground. I've got us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause when I got, got together with my partner, um, if you listen to a lot of these American podcasts and what they say, a great guy to approach is and what a great woman and all that stuff kind of stuff is, I don't fit any of that because mm-hmm. I just lost my job in the COVID stuff and didn't want another one. So thought well i'll focus on my coaching and build that build this business up so i'm starting a business from nothing i've got no job i'm living in my van through choice because decided to sell my house three years ago i've got two kids a crazy ex and all of these things which they say a lot of women and guys say oh stay away from him but she mm-hmm. just took that risk mm-hmm. but from what she said says to right, make a long story short there are three things that make it work. She feels safe, she feels mm-hmm. seen, and she feels special. Oh my gosh, beautiful. Yes, exactly. Right. Those, just to kind of hear that ring again, like safe, seen, and special, right? Yeah. If if you hit nothing else, those three things, like that's that's like the magic ingredients that aren't so magic. They're not hard to find. You don't have to go searching that far to find that. And I think what can happen is when you're comfortable with yourself and you feel good about yourself, then it's easy to help someone else feel special. It's easy to help someone else feel seen. And when, you know, when in resistance to that, just recognizing in this moment, like, oh my gosh, do I feel in resistance to that? Do I feel like I'm 
losing something if I let my partner or give my partner something where she feels or he feels seen, then that's the place for the inner work, right? That's the place to yeah. dig in and say like, well, what what's going on for me? Is it because I don't feel stable in my job? And what does that mean about me? It, it is a really helpful place to recognize if we're having trouble doing that, why, right? Yeah, and a lot of it will go back to some point in the past or somebody else's story that we've taken on board as being the truth, whatever the right. truth is. Yeah, because we hear a lot of things, you know, even from our upbringing, just about money and about relationships, or we see, you know, how things went within our own families. And sometimes we have like wonderful models and we want to emulate everything. And sometimes, sometimes we can see things where we're like, well, I'm not going to be like that when I grow up, <laughs> you know, yeah. mine's going to be different. And um, sometimes those patterns can still be pretty strong. So I think the beauty of it is that we we really do get to write our own stories, like regardless of the past, this is this idea of sovereignty, right? Like I am a sovereign being and I get to make my own choices and um, I get to look at uh, like take inventory. What's what's working for me? What's working for me in my partnership? What what aspects aren't working for me in my partnership? And you know, when you have a safe place, when you have perhaps some assistance from an outside person to help you see it, it can be a safe place to dive into those parts that aren't working because what's it going to take? What will change if we don't change anything, right? We're probably going to keep doing the same spirals, the same cycles, yeah. you know, it might be fine for a while, then that'll pop up again. So what if we did, what if we did take some investment in our relationship? Like what could be possible, right? Could it be possible that we could go to deeper levels? Could we have greater levels of intimacy, greater levels of support, greater levels of feeling special, and sometimes it takes like an outside viewpoint to, to help with that. Or like I'm mentioning, just, it doesn't have to be hard. Sometimes it can just take a few tools, you know, and also recognizing what lo what's lying beneath and allowing that to feel seen, just allowing that to be on the surface so that the next time you come to that same spiral, the spiral stops. Cause one, you recognize where it's coming from. And secondly, you have the tools to, to handle it completely differently. In fact, when that trigger comes up, you can get kind of excited, like, oh my gosh, here it is. You know, I get to dance with this in a different way, you know? Yeah, definitely. So a question that's just come up while we're talking about the differences between men and women. Why do women always want the man to decide what we're having for dinner or where we're going for dinner? <laughs> you know, it's funny because I actually, it's so funny you say that. Like, I actually don't feel like that personally, but, but there's, there's tricks to this. <laughs> you know, I think it's this feeling again of, um, as a woman feeling like held, feeling like cared for, feeling taken care of, like, um, like, like my husband, oh, he made the reservations. Oh, he's He's got this. He's got this. It's just a sense of, um, and I'm going to use some words here that, <laughs> We'll see how this goes when I say this. <laughs> okay, so we'll see. I feel like I'm going to say some words here that are going to have some emotions for some people. <laughs> okay, so just hear me. <laughs> just take a second when I say this. Like there can be this interplay of submission and dominance in relationships, yeah. right? Okay. And so sometimes we just want the guy to be the dominant one and be like, "I've got this. I've got the. I've got the." It's like it's like coming home and you got you got you got a big deer like you caught the 
<laughs> harkens back to like the DNA from when we were cave people and he comes home and he, you know, caught the bear. He caught, it's like, oh, you've got this, right? You know? And again, it's a dance. It's an interplay. It gets to be creative. It's not just all or nothing. It's just sometimes that's, that's exactly what that is. It's just like, oh, you've got this, you know, or you, you thought of, you thought of me, right? It's like, it, it's just feeling cared for. It's, it doesn't have to be a big deal. It's just like, take, take, a, take a list of the restaurants, you know, she loves and just be like, Hey, let's go here. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, that you should mention dominance and submission. I was uh -huh. actually being interviewed on a podcast talking about um, BDSM and dominance submission relationships yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that um, I don't actually agree with those terms to, to fit that kind of relationship. Instead of being dominant and submission, because dominant to me comes across as... Um, the guys there, ship barking order saying, do this, do that, do the other. Right. Nobody wants yeah. that. Right. That's kind of why I was like a little you, hesitant. Yeah. yeah. And you can beat somebody into submission to do something yes. they don't really want to do. Mm -hmm. So for me, mm -hmm. that DNS should be uh, devotion and surrender. This, okay. What I like about, yeah, I really love, oh my gosh, I love that so much. I feel like you have a whole new niche, <laughs> a whole new store front. <laughs> Like, seriously, <laughs> I, I really feel like you've got something there. I really do. Um, because uh, when you think of it that way, it's all about love, you know? And it's not about ego. It's not about um, overpowering. You know, I feel like it's very much like dominant submission is very much like a, in, it's a, in agreement, right? Like there's very much yeah. in a, a, a power in release or in, in surrendering, like there is an, an allowing, right? You're giving permission. Yeah. There is a power in that. So the power is in a sense, different and equal, right? Um, it's, it's, it's such a, it could be such a beautiful interplay. Uh, I think when we translate that into what we're talking about in terms of like other aspects of relationship, I think we could kind of call it the same thing, you know? Yeah. devotion and you said surrender surrender okay i kept saying submission in my head i was like this is exactly what we're <laughs> surrender so sometimes <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> you you know to going out to dinner what, what do you where do you want to go oh, i don't know you pick devotion i got this Sur i'm surrendering like she's literally surrendering to you like if you think of it yeah. that way it's not annoying you're like oh my gosh it's really wonderful she's just surrendering to to my choice yeah and downside is when if, if the guy doesn't really have a particular opinion that day or if he's got uh, he's fully his decision making muscle has been worn out throughout out the day, it's just like I don't give a shit as long as it's something I want to eat and I enjoy eating. Anything is fine with me. You know, you know your hack women don't is, like it. You do. <laughs> your hack is just you have a list of restaurants on a notes in your phone, you're like let's go here. <laughs> Maybe see some dollar signs next to it to see like what you're up for. Are you up for like super fancy? You just want to kind of take out, you know, just know where you're at and then just be like, let's go here. It's, you don't care. And she's like, you pick, just make it easy on yourself. Have a little hack, have a little notes on your phone yeah. places like, you know, you love, you know, and just, just great Mexican. 
We're going to Fidel's. <laughs> Chinese, they can bring it around. <laughs> we yeah. don't need to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. We've, we've got DoorDash here. Let's ah, uh, let's just DoorDash some wings and. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you don't need and to get I, dressed up tonight. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, for you, you bring up a good point. Sometimes, like, there's that you know. Um, women and men carry both like the mental load. It's the one you don't see, right? Yeah. You, you know, I think sometimes yeah. um, couples get into conflict about like, well, I'm doing, I'm doing everything around the house, and what is the other, what's the other partner doing? And uh, you know, I think we, when we kind of, and sometimes maybe that's true. Maybe someone's completely sitting on their butt watching TV literally all day. <laughs> I think there's like a respect to the um, the load that each person is carrying like i know for me when our kids were little i it was really important to both of us that i stay home and that i be with them and so you know my workload was a lot you think of the money that it costs to have yeah. childcare and to cook and clean and have a housekeeper and all that stuff if you add that all up monetarily it's some people they literally are working and it's it's equal or they're losing money on their nanny like i yeah to talk to people this is happening um, but being out of the house is so important to them. They're not going to give up that job. So, you know, when, um, oh, it's losing my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> Where are we going with this? What was it talking, uh, about? talking about the mental load and decision-making oh, and yeah. that kind of thing. So exactly. So, you, you know, you think about this, um, you, you, wh- however it looks like you're both at work or um, one's at home, the other one's out. Like there, there is this sort of mental load that both partners are carrying. So as you mentioned, you know, guys out at work all day, he's had all these decisions to make and then he comes home and she's asking him for more decisions, right? There's an opportunity if we're aware of it, of just taking a moment and just stating like, can we identify how we're feeling, right? That's the first step. Like, how am I feeling? I, well, right now I'm feeling irritated. What's underneath the irritation? I, I, I really don't want her to be asking me these questions right now. What's underneath that? I'm actually really just burnt right now because I just did all this stuff for other people. And what could I really use in this moment? I probably could just use 10 minutes to just do something for myself, zone out, whatever it is, 10 minutes on a video game or go into working out or whatever it is. Can I, can I do some self-care for myself? Can I be aware enough to just have that, make that statement, have that request. And then we can dive into the questions because then I'll have a clear slate, right? It's just taking that inventory for ourselves. And also I think recognizing um, just in a respecting the other person kind of way, right? Of their mental load. Uh, You know, the kids are little, just again, very sort of typifying a scenario. The woman potentially is at home or her job looks different. Like what's she been dealing with? She's probably been dealing with some I don't know, maybe tantrums or fights. She's been cleaning a bunch of stuff up. She's been, you know, getting meals prepped. Like there's there's a lot going on in the background for her as well, right? So she's got a mental load that she's been carrying as well. And so when she's like, oh, you pick, she's just trying to kind of offset a little bit of that too. Yeah. Let me feel held. Let me feel cared for. I've been doing this for everybody else all day. Just give me one moment where I feel seen and heard. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think both both partners a lot of the time have a silent struggle that's internally that says, I do everything for everyone else. Because mm-hmm. I've heard lots of women say it mm-hmm. and I hear men say it as well. Yeah. But the men don't talk about it. Right. Yes. And, and so I think what we're trying it. to 
Yeah. And so we're trying to normalize, um, which again, I don't feel is something that, you know, culturally men typically are, are, are taught to do. They're not taught yeah. to complain. They're just taught to like, get it done, heads down, get it done. And this yeah. is where I feel like um, we're seeing some men struggling and, um, and, you know, falling into depression or anxiety and other things where, you know, now we're getting medicated and, um, you know, I mean, we could go down that path even further, right. The, the silent struggle that can even lead to suicide. Um, yeah. And it, it's just sort of like that balloon can only get so much pressure. Right. Yeah. right? And so those moments, like those daily check-ins even, right. Where we can just let a little bit of that air out. Right. Just like, it's just so loving just to check in with your partner and, and to feel comfortable. Like this is an okay place for me to say how I'm actually feeling. I'm not going to fall apart in this moment. If I just, if I allow myself every day to say a little bit about how I'm feeling, like maybe then I won't have that fear that I'm just going to fall apart. Yeah. Like the bricks are not all going to fall apart if I identify how I'm feeling. Yeah. I hear a lot of um, women's, say that what men talk about their feelings a lot more. They're not always comfortable when they do. But what I find a lot of the time is what's behind that is mm-hmm. she wants to know that whatever is chewing on his rear end is not down to their relationship or how she's mm-hmm. showing up in it. She wants to know it's not to do with her. Is that something yeah. you would, that would resonate for you at all? Yeah. And she wants to feel, she wants to feel safe. And then it's not, yeah, that, you know, again, at the end of the day, like, are we good? Are we good? <laughs> or yeah. is there like, the, is this, this distance that I see in you, is this a rift with us? Right. Um, whereas yeah. it might just be that he's like super, super stressed about some project that's coming up in three weeks and doesn't really want to put more energy into it and to talk about it, which, you know, I really want to honor that too. I, I do feel like there's a place where there's those things that I, I understand just wanting to kind of like handle them and just ha- have them happen without bringing more attention to them, which might feel even more stressful. Yeah. And there's a place where um, I think for the woman to, I think what can be really helpful is to embrace if it is about them, I, I, I to to feel safe there can become this sort of rhythm where it becomes safe to hear if something isn't feeling great in their relationship, because talking leads to transformation. How can we transform this if we can't talk about it? Yeah. We're just going to like magically start doing the dance differently. Like, you know, I, I think um, if we go back to these sort of like, like traditional ways, it, the opposite of the woman who's like making all the money and, you know, we've got this, like, it can be a very vulnerable place if if the if the man is the breadwinner. It can feel very vulnerable, yeah. right? And so there is that. And I hate to like just be living with this underlying anxiety, right? Um, and I've always, I not always, I shouldn't. I've always, right? Globalizing, <laughs> but I really feel like I came when I came to that place of really feeling that I I love myself. It helped me in a sense, like set free our relationship too, in the sense that. Um, I love our relationship. I'm really grateful that we are walking this path together. And I, I really feel like I, I love happiness for my husband. And if at some point it came to a place that he was super unhappy in our relationship, I would not want to hold him there just as much as I wouldn't want to hold my friend in a friendship that felt wrong or uncomfortable. Right. So I feel like there's this freedom in knowing not that we 
not that we're looking at divorce anywhere around the corner, right? At all. I'm not living in that place at all. And I'm also not afraid of that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we're in a place yeah. where like, I, we're, we're going to do what it takes to work through any conflict. Like there's a security in that. And there's also a security in a weird way in knowing that if I, if I really say I love him, I, I want his happiness. I don't want to sacrifice his happiness just for my, my, my stability, right? That just seems, that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. So when I get comfortable with the uncomfortable places, the, to me, that's the only place we can really create transformation together. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no, for all the talk that um, vulnerability is a weakness, there's no vulnerability in the comfort zone. But then once you step outside of that comfort zone, it's very vulnerable, but it takes courage to step outside. So for me, courage and vulnerability are very closely intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, absolutely. I mean, I think being vulnerable is like the ultimate act of courage, right? Because, you know, again, think of like that armoring, like, you know, again, as a, as a psychic, as an intuitive, as an energy person, like we, we can hold this sort of armoring. We're like, I'm not going to let that person in. I'm not going to let this out. Right. And so we're, we live like that. We're just, we're missing this whole layer. And I do think that, um, you know, again, this, this becomes like, am I going to let culture dictate my life and my happiness? And if I were male and I felt that it felt very vulnerable or again, again, the word shame kind of comes up like shameful to cry. And I know I'm holding something deep that I really haven't really ever let through from the past. And I'm probably going to cry if I look at it. It's probably because I don't, I don't know what to do when that happens. Like, yeah, I think sometimes, you know, for some men to like let off the gas just feels like that is not going to happen. Right. And that's why people burn out. That's why relationships burn out because we're not taking the time to let off the gas a little bit because when we let off the gas and we look at something I think the fear can be, well, if I look at that, I'm not going to be okay. You know, I'm, how am I going to go back to work tomorrow? How am I going to function? And so, um, being able to, you know, be be in a safe place, or again, sometimes I think this is where it really helps to have a guide, right? Like a way shower so that you can allow yourself to go there and recognize like this, we, we can clean up, we can clean up the mess. <laughs> Once it all spills, we're going to clean it up too. We're not going to just leave it out there. So you're broken open and then you got to go close some deal tomorrow. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to yeah. happen overnight. Um, it means like we're, we get to be safe in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, one kind of metaphor I use sometimes is, you know, how women don't want to share their body physically with a man they don't feel safe with. Mm-hmm. A lot of men are the same with their emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And to have a woman that you can can do that, not necessarily mm-hmm. for to solve the problem, but just hold that space for you to feel that whatever you're feeling, it's worth yeah. its weight in gold. Absolutely. And I think also for a man to feel like, um, you know, what are some thoughts that might come up? Like, well, if I show this, show this vulnerability, is she still going to respect me, right? Am I still going to hold respect? And yeah. so I think... There's sort of some sort of like, um, you know, conditions or some like sort of contracts you kind of want to set up or hold in place, like um, around respect, around 
recognizing that uh, those vulnerable things we're not we're not going to bring up in terms of like an attack <laughs> or um, throwing it back at them, right? I mean, I think in general that's a good rule to have anyway when it comes to communication yeah. or conflict. Um, like, well, you did this or this happened before, and you know I can't trust you because like, this is like that is a non. <laughs> So just be up. So I think understanding like this is going to be safe because as we move forward, one, I'm going to hold this in a place of honor. Like I, I honor and respect and um, appreciate that you could be, this is intimacy. You can come to this place of intimacy with me, this place of emotional intimacy, because emotional intimacy for a woman is just going to lead more to that openness for that physical intimacy. Just like you were saying. Into me, I see. Yeah. Exactly. It's a beautiful way to look and at it. I think it. one of the, one of the things that leads, I believe, leads to um, men burning out and sometimes feeling heading towards um, depression. And I'm going to use my friend Joe Horton's words, his uh, equation. He says vision plus action equals meaning. Mm-hmm. And when men start feeling down and depressed, a lot of the time it's because they don't feel like their life has meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like you're on this treadmill and you, you know, look towards the future and you see like, okay, well, there's retirement down the road, but like, what am I really doing? Yeah. Um, And a part of coaching for me, especially, I think, especially working with ourselves at a soul level is it's deeply important to me that we, we understand regardless of the attachment to the work we do, or what that means about our identity, right? Or regardless yeah. of um, you know how we might be seen in the eyes of our our friends and our colleagues and coworkers, that within ourselves, like we recognize who we be, right? Because uh, a lot of those things that when we talk about like our life having meaning, some of these are external markers, right? Did I get the car? Did I yeah. get the house? Do I have the job? Do I have the position? And to be honest, a lot of those things can just really feel empty. Like you can get to that next promotion. You're like, wait, I thought I was going to feel better. <laughs> but again, we go back to like the deeper layers of like, well, what did I, what did I want that to feel like? Well, I, I wanted to feel um, recognition or I actually really just wanted to feel loved. I, I think sometimes it goes back to those deeper inner feelings that we get to give to ourselves. So Regardless of whether, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I live in a country where my, my life is like working a rice paddy or I become CEO of a big car company. Like if we come back to the place of understanding, like we, are, we have meaning because we exist. And I know that feels very kind of maybe heady or esoteric, yeah. or <laughs> but I, I do think that um, it's not going to be about chasing that next island vacation, you know? No. And and when we think about like our purpose, and this is what I really love to get in with with people is to come to a place of distilling, like, well, what do I feel like is my purpose? You know, and if, and if I don't feel like I'm having that satisfied through my relationship or through having my children or through my job, then let's dig a little deeper. When I would ask why, why is that not satisfying? What, when am I really seeking to feel? Yeah. And is that something that I am actually meant to give to myself and, or is there something that I could shift in how I do life where I could receive that? There's something I do with, you know, most of my clients when we first start, it's just making a commitment to myself. Like I am a commitment to, it's not going jogging like three times a week. It's like, 
it's like, I'm a commitment to loving myself. I'm a commitment to expressing myself. I'm a commitment to like, what is that major thing that is eating at me? And what could I, I be a commitment to? Right. Cause that to me is like the baseline to kind of get started with this work where we're finding ourselves in our fullest expression. Yeah, definitely. So Steph, Stephanie, if anyone's listening to this that would like to reach out and um, connect with you, how can they um, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to offer um, just a free 20-minute consult for anyone who is looking to kind of understand where they may be deeply blocked in a pathway forward. It's an intuitive 20-minute session. Uh, and I'm sure we can just drop a link in the show notes to, to get to yeah. that. And then you can find me also on Instagram, just Stephanie underscore Stephanie underscore Zito um, and Facebook, Steph Zito. So I made that profile a long time ago. So Steph Zito on Facebook. Um, And I I like to hang out on this meditation app. So if you're interested in diving deeper, um, understanding what's happening within the body so you can express those feelings, uh, you can find me on insighttimer.com slash Stephanie Zito. I go live pretty much uh, once a week. We have live sessions and um, there's a bunch of meditations there you can kind of dive into as well. Excellent. So final question for today. And it's a question I ask everyone at the end. And as with anything else, there's no prep for it at all. And there's also no right or wrong answer. So Mm -hmm. the question is, as this podcast is called Relationship Revolutions, if there was one thing that could bring a revolution to the world of dating and relationships, what would it be? Oh, it would be um, healing your inner child, <laughs> just healing your inner child stuff and uh, and communicating clearly what, what you really want, Clear, communicating clearly how you feel, your intentions, what you really want. So you can come into that relationship just fully yourself and fully embracing who you are. Cause sometimes when we have those layers we're hiding or we're trying to be a certain way for somebody else, that's just going to end up in a, it probably, you know, not going as, as well as you might want. So just understanding also that, you know, when you're being yourself fully, you're going to match up energetically with that person who wants to fully see you. I love it. Beautiful. Thank you for coming on. And I'm sure we'll see you online. Thank you for listening. And if you haven't already, please leave me a review on your preferred podcast platform. Click the like button and also subscribe so that you get the new episode notifications. I'm curious, what did you take away from this episode? Please share your takeaways with me. Send me an email to relationship-revolutions at theloveengineer.rocks.